This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. You're listening to Ocho Man Behind the Eight Ball, only on lineupmedia.fm. Without further ado, the one, the only, Ocho Man. Hola, hola muchachos, my friends. It's the Ocho Man. We got the Ocho Man show, and I got a little special guest for us today. Darren, how are you? Dude, we're getting so huge. It's a special show today with a special guest. I love it. I love love it. We're going to introduce him in here in a second. Eric. I am good. How are you guys doing? It's so good to have your ass back here from Vegas, man. You guys killed it out there. Yes, it was great. Had a hell of a show, and uh, yeah. Couldn't ask for a better reception from everybody involved. So. God bless. God bless. And our guest for this week, our guest for this week, he's a comedian. I checked this shit out. He's fucking great. He was making me laugh all over the place. He's like a real comedian. It's legit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, uh, it, it, we got to work at it. We're not I mean, this, you... this guy right here is natural. So, we're hey, not <laughs> we got Joe Kilgallen. How the hell are you? I'm buddy? great, man. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're good doing good. Good to see everything. Got everything going here, and what what are you doing here in St. Louis, man? I'm headlining the Funny Bone, which is in Westport, in a nice little mall area, like so many of our great comedy clubs across America, always near some sort of uh, chain restaurant that people hate, but, you know, they go to anyway. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be there tonight. This is Friday, so two shows tonight, 7, 30, and 10, and then the rest of the weekend, uh, stlouisfunnybone.com. Oh, beautiful. Pretty sure that's the website. Beautiful. Just Google St. Louis Funny Bone. You guys aren't dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Man, I tell you, I've always admired you guys. Always. I mean, for you guys to get out there, man, and you you got all the crowd, you're feeling it, you got the lights right on you, and uh, you got some douchebag in the front there that, that's uh, giving you a, a hard time. May not even give you a hard time. But you know what? What what if his gal dumped him that night or some shit like that? It was, everything was supposed to go good. He was supposed to fucking take uh, this chick out right. to Joe's show, and next thing you know, she dumps him. He, now he's pissed off. That or he's tripping joking. balls or whatever, on coke, acid, whatever. Yeah, high, too high, whatever. Drunk. Being drunk and, and being drugged up makes a little more sense. If To the listeners, if you get dumped, don't go to a comedy show that night. <laughs> you just got dumped. Stay home, masturbate, figure it out. You know, there you I go. Be going so out to I'm a little, clubs. a little shame to admit this, but I have never been to a live comedy show, and I fucking love comedy. I watch stand-up specials all the time, but I, I can't help but feel like the atmosphere at a live comedy show is just that much better. Like it makes everything better when you're there. Like it's I, definitely better live. I. Uh, I've got great friends who have done TV appearances and stuff. I've been, you know, been on TV, and you see yourself on film, and it's not the same. Live is better. There's an atmosphere there. There's just there's sounds, ambience. It's like going to a baseball game. For sure, everybody would rather go to it than watch it on TV. Well, I'm obsessed with baseball, so I'm good either way. But you'd rather it's you know you know the crack of the bat where it's comedy. You want to hear smell of stale beer, you know, yeah, but ice, you know something. I, I I gotta I gotta disagree a little here because you I think you're more in the spotlight. Because that guy playing baseball, he tries to avoid you as a fan. Oh, that's true. He, he tries to block you out. You fucking need that fan. You have to feed off that fan. If that fan is into your show, you're doing it right. If he's not, now, hey, we're sinking. 
I agree. I agree on that. Yeah, I need I need a lively audience, so I need that guy to be cool. I don't want him to be with his right. arms crossed there. You know, the the pro athlete. I mean, he's like, I, I, you know what? I, I'd like to block them. I don't, I don't like to think about them. You they need to have to magnetize sure. around them. Yeah, I was just saying in regards to it, comedy being better live as opposed to watching oh, it yeah, on yeah. Netflix and stuff like that. So. It was funny as you were starting that you were like, I don't, we were just talking about guys getting dumped. I thought you were gonna say I've never been dumped before, and I was gonna be like, Oh <laughs> fuck, no. you, stud. Uh, honestly, but, uh, though, I've been married for like fucking ever and been with my old lady since I was like 18 years old. So in a way, I have school, not been you, fucking dumped in a while. Yeah, you, you, so. uh, you don't know what you've missed. <laughs> I know. Tell me about it. Feeding off the crowd is big as a stand-up. I love it because it gets the creative juices going. So right. I find myself adding new punchlines in the spot, and and you work the crowd more. Yeah, I, I need that energy. I, I'm like that. I would be like that rock star. I equate it to this. This is how I am. You've seen the movie Almost Famous? Oh, yeah. There's a line that Jason Lee, who's the lead singer, his character says where he talks about how I find the one guy in the audience who's not getting off, and I get him off. Right, yeah. That's what he talks about. And I kind of, yeah. when I'm on stage, I, I don't think that, but I'm not thinking oh, I'm getting people off, but I'm thinking like <laughs> I, I will have sets that are going great, but I notice, I do, I'll notice the one person, like you're talking about the guy with the arms crossed who just, you're, you're, as you were saying, is a douchebag, and I agree to a lot of extent because so many of those people go out to the show thinking make me laugh instead right. of I'm going to have a good time. Right. And I learned that a lot in totally. life. If you go to a party and you're like, this party's going to suck, well, then it's going to suck because you're taking suck. that mentality yeah. in there. And I, I don't understand the people who do that with a comedy show. I mean, you came here. And I, I almost talked about this before, but you're a good podcast host because you're like, save it for the air. I think so many people believe they could be comedians where that's why they heckle. That's why, because they think they're funny because right. they're funny in their own little circle of friends. Right. Where in music, people have more respect for the musician because you know you could play guitar or you, don't, or you can't play guitar. That's a fair point. You know what I mean? And you know, people go to the biggest piece of shit plays and no one says anything. They sit there quietly as right. they're watching some awful play, but then they'll... Go to a stand-up show and yell something out. No, well, you, I mean, I get what you're saying though, because yeah. like if I'm partying with my buddies and drinking, I really I can make them fucking guys crack up and laugh. But that's not the same. Like I honestly feel like being a good comedian, and I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the comedians to me, in my eyes, the ones that are the funniest and the best are the best storytellers. If you can tell a story, like, and it can be literally something that you're not not a bit, but like a story. If you can actually tell a story and make that hilarious, an actual real story, that to me, like being able to just come up with it off the top of your head and make a right. story that was slightly funny, hilarious. That to me is is what you know. Like well, you know, you king. visualize I would agree them. With that. You visualize them being you, like in a grocery store waiting in line. You're going, fuck yeah. I know exactly what he's talking about. And when we identify with that, uh -huh. it only makes the comic stand out more. If he says something like, yeah, I rode a horse, and I'm like, fuck, I, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. I didn't ride a fucking horse or a camel. I, I don't know what the fuck he's saying. Well, I can't identify with that. But he, if he's saying he had to wait in line at the sports arena, and there was like 50 fucking people in front of him to take a leak, and... And we're going, yes, I know that. I know what he went through on it. I think it's important to relate to people. I, I, I agree with you to an extent about the best comedians being storytellers. I think it's definitely that's a huge part of it. Uh -huh. The best comedians have the ability to tell stories. I tell a lot of stories. I think it's also, I think the best comedians are comedians who are personal, too. Very, very much so. I agree. Uh, I mean, there are great comedians who aren't that are just you know telling silly jokes or observations or, or being absurd, and that works, too. But to me, the ultimate comics are the ones that, 
connect with you through by talking about their personal lives. And they're the most original. Because if you're talking about what happened with you, then no one else could steal that. That's you. That's right. your personality you're selling, essentially. So yeah. what do you write down notes in the car? How um, do you come up with your content? Yeah, you know, I'll write down. I don't write out What's, my jokes word for word. I just, I'll write down, like, the idea. I'll have a notepad. And just where, kind of vamp off that? It's yeah, nothing the, specific. You just kind of go with it. And, it looks, well, it's specific. Like, I have the joke in my brain. I just don't write it down word for word because it's, I saw this Louis C.K. interview, like, 10 years ago. When I was kind of when I actually when I was just starting out, and it made sense to me because it's just kind of my personality type. If you write something down, you're now going from your brain to the paper. I'm basically quoting the Louis from the interview, so this isn't my original thought. I don't even think I'm this smart. And uh, <laughs> so you're going from your brain to the paper, then you're reading it back to you, and then you're you're going. It's different sides of your brain. One side of your brain writes, one side of your brain speaks. Uh-huh. So his whole thing was, why wouldn't I just go from mind to mouth? It's so easy to go there from going from brain to paper, paper back into my brain, out of my mouth. And because right. of that, you don't. I could always tell when someone overwrites a joke. I could. T- I'll, I'll gotcha. listen to a comedian, yeah. and they're they're reliant on every word. Where in regular conversation, you're not like that. Yeah, delivery has to almost be different for every crowd. You know, just how you deliver the joke, because you know it could it could cause for an extra f bomb or however it means, just depending Dep- on yeah. the crowd. You if know, I'm if hyped, you don't want I'll, it to, exactly. I'll find myself throwing that. But you're talking about cracking your friends up, and you're sitting four or five guys in a bar. Yeah, and, and you're holding court, and everyone's having a good time. You're not worried about every word. You're exactly. worried about the, what the joke's about. Now, what I meant by going personal here, and sorry if I'm rambling, no. Chris Rock's latest great. special, Everyone, I remember a lot of my comedian friends saying, oh, they loved it, they loved it. I liked it, but I didn't like the first 15 minutes because the first 15 minutes was all stuff that was all like news, current event stuff, which is fine. You could joke on that. I think that's great. But unfortunately, with the world we're living in with social media, it felt like old news because right. he recorded it like in November, came out in February or whatever, which is only three months. But in that three months, it's like, all right, I've heard this point a million times. It's not right. fresh anymore. Right. That's where like kind of Twitter has killed political comedians because it's like, yeah, we get it. We know. It's, right. We've seen that meme even. It's, it's not even. <laughs> no shit. And then he yeah. went into the second half of the special. He started talking about going through a divorce. And that was when I was like, oh, this is hilarious. And then you're reminded, oh, that's Chris Rock. He's one of the funniest guys of all time. Right. Because, that, you know, that's the stuff I, I, I never heard a comedian talk about. He just admitted, I'm a, I was a terrible husband. Here's why I sucked. And, this, and, and I was like, all right, this is fascinating. And you're showing me something. All right, great. Nice. But if you're opening talking about, you know, current events, I'm like, I know this. I, I, the news is on, and everyone's annoying. So, like, we know already. Right. So it's a little bit of both. You want to be a storyteller, but I think you need to be personal at the same time. From someone that consumes comedy, that's the same thing for just us. Like, because, like, you exactly like you said, if I'm watching a, a brand new special and he's talking about events that happened four months ago that are all over the news, that are Twitter, that are Facebook. Yeah, you're right. It kind of seems like old news, even though this is a brand new special. It's from just a consumer standpoint, from someone that actually intakes all his comedy. Because I love comedy. I, I, I love watching comedy specials. That's awesome. Yeah. So if I had, to, if you had to say. Who would be uh, your favorite comedian that performs nowadays? You know, no ill will that you kind of like, that you enjoy their their gigs, their bits. No uh, ill will? Well, because there's a lot of ill will. Oh, no, right. I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm never going to say and, that. Really and in that note, too, probably don't want to play behind him either. Oh, a comedian I would never want to follow? Yeah. Um, oh, I think the best comic in the world is Bill Burr. Bill Burr's yeah. fucking nice. hilarious, yeah. dude. I think he's the best in the Such world. Such a savage. And even we are talking about Fucking love Bill he Burr. He's a savage. And even though we're talking about current events, his last special, I feel like he got... Almost, he, I mean, he didn't get screwed over, but because it, it's all his, he got caught in the middle. Because even a couple times in his last special, if you watch it's on Netflix, he talks about how it was recorded like a month before the election. So he's like, this is weird because this is going to be out and I, we don't know who the president's going to be. Right. 
And even he was aware of, damn, my timing is bad with this. And I feel like he kind of, of his last, of all his specials, I feel like that was not the weakest. That's unfair to say because he's still a beast. And even him at his, not his best, is still better than most of the world. So I didn't want to say it like it's a negative. And I met him before. He's a really nice dude. I, my thing with him is we, when he talks about his family life, like his, how his dad is, even though he grew up in the suburbs, I grew up in, the, in a city, uh, it's so similar. So I kind of try to not to listen to him too much because I don't want people thinking, You're ripping oh, he's ripping shit. them off. Right, I'm like, right. no, we're just very similar human beings. And, and when we met, we were like that. The first time we met, we were, it's a crazy story. I was playing ice hockey with the Chicago Blackhawks practice. And he was in town doing wow, shows at the Chicago Theater. You when play like that? I'm terrible. I had a friend who played on the Blackhawks who just hooked it up for, oh, okay. like, let us go on the I ice. I oh, that's awesome. I, can't, I won't even pretend like I could even do anything. I, I could skate, <laughs> barely. But uh, Like Rocky with Adrian late I night better in, than in that, that ice rink. Yeah. <laughs> it was basically. Hey, yo, hold me up. <laughs> uh, I skated like Happy Gilmore but couldn't uh, shoot like him. Uh, so, okay. But Bill Burwood, I met him there, and we, um, he was real cool. Through mutual friend, uh, comedian Steve Byrne, who I used to open for. And then I remember seeing him, the, was it the next year? Or no, it was a few months later, he was back in town. And he saw me across the play. I think he knew I was going to be there because my friend said, oh, we're going over here. And he went right up to me going, you see that game? What bullshit was that? That ref sucks. And, just, and went right into it. Went right into arguing sports. Not even arguing, but just like getting loud about sports together. And this is a guy I only met once before. And my friends who were nearby were like, you guys are like too, way too similar. I'm like, I know. And it kind of hurts me a little bit. Because <laughs> how many guys like that are going to be at the top? <laughs> I remember I had an agent who was drunk. But still was very honest, I guess, in a dickish way. Tell me, uh, oh, you're a redhead that's kind of angry. You know, we got Louis C.K. and Bill Burr. So how many, how many angry redheads do you think we're going to have? And then when Louis C.K. went down, I was like, yeah, one less. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. For everyone that doesn't know, Louis C.K. went down with the, the old hashtag MeToo scandal. Yeah, that's or, right. That's yeah. true. Oh, yeah, sorry for that. If you don't know it listening, um, just Google Louis C.K. and it'll be the first thing that pops that up. That was tragic, too, because I really like Louis C.K. You know I, I do, mean? too. And, and it was like... Oh, Man, son I, of a what? bitch, Man, Let, I don't blame him. He'll be back. Let's be honest. He I mean, will. he will. They, right. they throw Not all the shit him, out yeah. there. They, they, they may, I mean, you don't know what the hell's happening out there. He admitted it though. It was yeah. kind of the worst kept yeah. secret. It was bad, but it wasn't. That what killed me was there are clearly varying degrees of this stuff. Right. There are Harvey Weinstein's who are pure rapists who deserve oh, to be in jail the rest of their that, life. What, that other one, hey, hey, guy, uh, Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby too. Bill Cosby too. A rapist should be in jail for the rest of their life. Louis C.K. jerking off in front of women is bad, but he wasn't forcing anyone. They could have walked out of the room. Yeah, they, like, I'm not. What, sti- it's, right. I'm going to sound like an yeah, asshole no. with this, but it's, it's still bad. Not sticking up for him, but that's it's not, not as too bad. bad. If Louis C.K. will be back doing comedy in a couple years, and that's fine. It's I not, like how you it's put not a career that, death sentence. There's varying degrees well, of this whole sexual right. scandal. You're absolutely right. And I feel like Louis Dude, C.K.'s was minor. He as was bad as it was. But, off, yeah, for the love of God. And then she was. On the other end of the phone, while he no, was, was whacking the room, off, I there thought, was another right? time on that too that I, they said on ABC News. I don't know. Wasn't that, he in the room? Like she was in the room with him. Well, like a he was couple. There was a few women her. where he was in the room, so, and then there was one where it was over it was the phone. Times. Over the phone? How the fuck are you get a, a fucking yeah. in trouble over the phone? And Chappelle was made a Dave Chappelle on one of his specials said, uh, "Just hang up the phone, bitch." <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> what, yeah. what are you doing? I'm really offended. They're watching and listening. What the hell? Keep telling me what you're gonna do, though. I mean, come on. <laughs> Honest to God. That's crazy shit. So there are degrees. There's a the difference between, like, the old man, the 90-year-old man who grabs a waitress's <laughs> ass, and then someone who pins a woman down in an alley. There are yeah. varying degrees. I mean, they're both wrong. Don't do that. Although the 90-year-old man, if he was a veteran, I think you just let him do it. Come on. Let's have some respect out there. Uh, no shit. It <laughs> should be a privilege to let him grab your butt. Uh, but, yeah, with, with Louis, because you were right. You were so bummed to hear that because he's such a great comic. I agree. He is a great comic. 
you know it's funny whenever the, one of these guys goes down there's always someone online that'll say like I didn't find him that funny anyway oh like, there's always off. fucking he haters he was amazing man. there's always haters but I remember whenever like okay I didn't think Kevin Spacey was that good of an actor he's a piece of shit clearly okay. no he is a piece of shit clearly he's a piece of shit but he's, but he's a still phenomenal a great actor. Yeah. fucking actor it doesn't actor. take away what Kevin's, he did exactly you Kevin know? Spacey still is a good actor regardless of whether he's a pervert he's still yes. a fucking great actor he's Dude, a pre- he might be a sexual predator doesn't mean he's not a great actor. I gotta ask about the girls. Oh, I go mean, for of it, course, I know you're married. You have a uh, congrats on the on your son. Yes, yeah, so I uh, he's got an ear infections all week, so I kind of felt bad because oh, when we were shit. going back and forth, I, I missked a couple of re- um, re- responses to you, and I felt like a dick because I don't want people thinking that they message me and I'm not. Gonna nah, get you're not to a it, dick. So, so one year old son, he's got two ear infections this week. Ugh. Oh man, sorry. Those to hear that. suck that too. Sucks. By the way, I mean they're constantly in pain and well, there's babies, nothing too, you could do. It. Yeah. So are, are groupies real? I mean, do you get hit on? Is it? The I mean, man's it seems talking like, oh, about his kids you know here, and all of a sudden you bring up a fucking. Hey, I brought that up before he started talking about his kids. It's true. Right? I, kind oh of, I, I fucked you on that one. He I, fucked I me hard. But at least, at least show a little sympathy, then go into your groupie. I'm going to talk about Michael Jordan fucking his wife in a second here, but first right. I want to talk about. The groupies. You know me. I'm going to ask Oh, that. you're repeating. Oh, yeah, I have a joke about if Michael Jordan had sex with my wife. For a second, yeah. I'm like, Michael Jordan's fucking my wife. Who's wife? I forgot. <laughs> see, see, I, I tease. That's what happens when you don't write down your own jokes. You I forget them. I tease em. one of your YouTube videos. It's there fantastic. you go, man. On I your like website. That. Thanks, yeah. bud. Uh, are <laughs> so, there groupies? Yes. I mean, not like... What's it like? I, it's not groupies. Like, they, like, groupies follow the band around town to town. It's not like they're right. a comedy. What happened... You asked if you get hit on. I, you get hit on. Not all comedians. I mean... I'm a handsome man, so it's a little different. <laughs> You're a good-looking guy. You're a good-looking guy. <laughs> I'm being an asshole, but uh, I'm like the only redhead that could be considered decent-looking. So uh, there's yes. very few of us, right? Uh, so I'll, I'll wear that with a badge of uh, pride. Um, what it, what it is though, I'm married, so I and I talk about being married in my act. So it's not like they, you know, it's usually you know what it is. It's usually 45 year old women mm-hmm. who get like flirty, right? Or you're like little drunk, or they're not happy at home and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, when before I was I, when I was single for a while, I was single for a little stretch. See, my my high school, I married my high school sweetheart. Right. We were together. Uh, for you know, started dating junior high school. We got engaged, broke off the engagement, were apart for a little while. Got back together, had to repropose. Wait, but you had that again. little while there. I had that little bit. Yes. Yeah, you didn't even have that weasel. No, I know. No, <laughs> no taste right, of go, freedom. Go ahead. Go All ahead, right. Joe. So during that stretch, it's very easy for a good comedian. You have to be good, of course, to <laughs> get laid after a show. Nice. There you go. That's very. That's fucking. Easy. That's what I want to hear. If you have any kind of confidence and you're good, yeah. I'm not saying you have to be like one of those confident, like you know womanizing smooth talker guys you just you have to have confidence in the sense that when they go up to you afterwards and you're funny you're just like oh yeah thank you very much even if your act is about being meek and awkward own that own right. whatever you are and that right. works in everything in life that's that's very true it, that's right. great advice it, 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 you it don't is. have to be you don't have to be some Don Juan you don't have to be Sam Malone you know what I mean you don't have to be Zach Morris to get women yeah and, and women the same way with getting dudes but you have to be confident in how you are. So whatever you're into, be into it and be unapologetic about it. If you're into video games or Magic the Gathering, you're like, hell yeah, I like Magic the Gathering. Fuck yeah. People Own respond it. to that. Not just women, people respond to that. So after a good show, what makes it easier for a comedian is you just spent, if you're headlining, you're doing at least 45 minutes as a headliner, up to an hour usually. You, so they think they know you already. So it gets all that bullshit small talk out of the way. The, yeah. I, like you know how you just yeah, threw yeah. one of my jokes um, at me right there yeah I'll have that I, but when I was single when, you know having a conversation after the show and they'll say so do you really do this and it, it takes me a second to be like how did she oh yeah I, I just talked <laughs> yeah. about it how did she know about <laughs> get that because one yeah. of the things is when you do comedy long enough 
people always say, how do you get up there in front of strangers? In my head, I'm like, it's just so second nature. It doesn't even, I forget that I'm talking to strangers. And I, I, I will forget. I'll be like, wait, I told people that? Like people I didn't know? Oh, I wow, did that. that's pretty intimate. I can't believe <laughs> I just brought that up like that. Um, all right, did I laugh? That's good. So you, you'll have that. And, and because they feel like they know you already because we just heard you talk for an hour. Right. So right. it's like well, getting it's crazy. The, the interview out of the way and it makes it that much quicker for them to just be like, where are we going now? As a performer myself for years, I mean, the, the audience will mimic what you are up there. If you're confident, they're going to be confident. If you're having fun, they'll have fun. If you're freaked out and nervous, they get all freaked out and nervous. So it's, you're right, man. It's all about confidence and just owning it. And so, yeah, go ahead, Jono. I, I was going to say, let's back this up a little bit. You mentioned Sammy Malone as as the guy. I'm like fucking Cliff or Norm in that position. You know what, though? I, yeah, I, I have to. I'm like that fucking lizard that has to like change different colors. No shit, right? And all, because you know what? I got I got to have game on the talk. That, that's how, that's that's it. I mean, look, I can't keep up with the same Malones. Not, I mean, you guys might think I can, but I can't. I I got I'm Cliff or Norm, and I gotta come up with a fucking punchline, and that's what keeps me in the ball game. I really think. Well, that. hey, though, you say that I feel like almost in a self-deprecating way, but we forget how lovable Norm is. The man walked into a bar and they screamed his name. Yeah. You don't think yeah. a few women who are sitting at a table were thinking, who's that gentleman right over there? Right. But Norm was dedicated. He was a happily ma- he had he had Meredith at home or whatever her name was. I can't remember. Vera? I can't remember. He had a wife. Something so, like that. Something yeah. like that. Uh, Cliff, though, is the tough one, though. Because Cliff's the type of guy that'll sit down next to a woman yeah. and she's thinking, dude, you got off your shift as a mailman 12 <laughs> hours ago. Why are you still in your uniform? You know, that's kind <laughs> of a creepy, it's a creepy vibe that, out yeah. that way, you know? And he, and he has all sorts of weird facts. You ever hear the story about the Cliff character? Fuck, please tell me. The actor, Ratzenberg or something, I forget his first name. Basically, he went to audition for Norm. And when he was auditioning for Norm, he didn't get the, I don't know if he knew one of the writers, but he was talking to the writers while he was in the audition process and said, I love the idea for the show, by the way. I've auditioned for a lot of stuff lately where I just, I want the part clearly, but I don't even think it's a good show. He goes, this is the first thing I've auditioned for. I'm like, yes, finally a show in a bar. And he said, tell me, do you have the know-it-all character? (laughs) <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean? He goes, in every bar, especially like a neighborhood kind of divey bar, there's always some loudmouth who says he knows everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> and we'll just say, we'll, and we'll just give off facts where everyone's like, that's bullshit. And it's just a bunch of arguing back. Well, exactly. He basically <laughs> created his own role. Wow. They didn't have cool. that character. They didn't in. have that role. No, really? he was coming in audition for Norm. Son of a bitch. And that's so great. Genius. That is cool. Because without Cl- Cliff, so many is so, he's like the icebreaker in a lot of ways. There'll be a scene. I mean, that, that was never any drama, but there'll always be some scene with a little bit of tension between like Carla and someone or whatever, and then Cliff will just say one of his crazy tracks. Drop tracks. one yeah. of them lines, yeah. You know, he talks about uh, you know how great he is at Jeopardy or whatever, <laughs> and then it, it ties the scene together. That's how clutch he was. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're from Chicago. Yes. You're from Chicago. And uh, now, are you a Sox fan or are you a Cubs fan? Cubs. Cubs fan. Yep. Hate the White Sox. Hate the White Sox. I don't Sox. hate. Hate's a strong word. I feel like after we won a World Series... Uh, I was kind of like, all right, you know what, whatever. I'm not going to. I'll, I'll never we root for them. I'll never root for the White Sox, but I don't think I don't actively root against them. Right now, I, I, I've been talking to a lot of Cardinals fans since I've been here, and I'll say this about Cardinals fans: I'll give them credit. I actually, because people always were like, oh, Cardinals must hate them more than anything. I'm like, actually, I hate the White Sox more. Cardinals are number two. Well, I only have to deal with Cardinals. <laughs> well, I only have to deal with Cardinals fans when I As go to a Cubs be. Cardinals game. I have to deal with White Sox fans every day. Right, if they live in Chicago, right. so I have to see them all the time. Cardinals fans, I'll say this though. It's a great organization. 
As a Chicago sports fan, I have to deal with the Packers, who, even though I hate them, great organization. I hate them, too. Yeah. You hate them, too, right? But they're good. They're like yeah. a good, they're, oh, they went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. They know what they're doing as an organization. Yeah. And in hockey, I'm a big hockey fan. I had to deal with the Red Wings, who are another great organization, but now luckily they're in the Eastern Conference, so we don't have to play them as much. But there's, there's the Cardinals, the Packers, and the Red Wings are three teams that, as a Chicago sports fan, I was taught you're supposed to hate them. But damn it, <laughs> do I respect them. Right. Because they're good. They're good organization. They know what they're doing, they're always competitive. They'll lose a superstar. You guys lost Albert Pujols and went back to the World Series two years later. That's incredible. I don't want to say you guys as if you're Cardinal fans. I don't even know what you're fans I, are. I, I'm I a Reds fan. Right. So Reds. I, I'm, a, I'm a Cincy fan. Uh, I got to tell you this too, man. It was like a couple days ago. You got Bob Costas. You got John Smoltz. And the, they're doing the Boston Yankee game. And uh, <laughs> I heard Bob say, uh, you know what? Uh, it's uh, What do you think, John? Do you think this is a very important game for the Yankees? And I'm fucking, I'm fucking thinking about this. And I'm like, you got 150 fucking games left, 157 games left. How is this going to be make or break fucking game? And John just looked at him like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's an important. And I'm like, John, don't even give him credit for that. Let it go. Let it go. Bob just went off on a nut little fucking trail. He thinks he's two months into baseball. And I'm thinking, how many times do you sh- see shit like that? All the time. All the time. It's funny because they, I, I, I get it's their job. They got to hype up every game, you know, bring the fans in. But what you're doing is you're really just catering to the dumbest fan. Oh, if you're yeah. a baseball fan, a Yankee Red Sox fan, you're going to watch that game. Right. So what, what are they doing? I think they're just trying to rope in like the average person thinking, oh, yeah, baseball's back. Let's go. Because <laughs> I actually hate those baseball fans because it is such a long season right. that you'll deal with these baseball fans that a so great hitter gets, right? A great hitter gets off to a slow start and they go, man, he sucks, huh? I'm like, well, it's one week. Let's chill out. Right. Right. He does this a lot. He gets off to slow starts. At the end of the year, he'll be batting 300 with 30 homers. Oh, Chill I, out. Like, I agree. You know. I, I totally agree. And you see that not in just uh, baseball. You see it in football in week two or something. I mean, come on. Let's well, you got, you got Josh stop. Rosen saying he's going to win. If Tom Brady gets a sixth title, he's, he wants to win seven. It's like, dude, I know confidence is cool, but dude, shut the fuck up, man. You're already saying that. You haven't even thrown that's one pass exactly. in the NFL yet. You got to crawl before you can walk, my friend. That's, that's a different beast altogether. The only sport... I actually don't mind confident players. I used to – I've told, pulled a complete 180. Growing up, I'd always – I was like the guy where I'm like, why are they going to celebrate like that? Just hand the ball to the rough. That would look cool, you know? You know, Act like you've been there. I was that right. dude. And then as I got older, I realized it's really hard to score a touchdown. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you dance? Right. Yeah. Now I've gotten to the Do point something, as, a, something, yeah. as, a, as a, you know, I'm only 33, but I'll still, you know, I'll be at a bar and you'll see some old guy being like, oh, look at them dancing like that, you know. And I'm like, do you know what it takes to score a touchdown in the NFL? Yeah. You have to avoid 11 dudes who are trying to murder you, essentially. Murder. Then yeah, you, yeah. you cross that goal line and your brain has to just be lighting up like, I did it. Sports Center. I'm getting a bonus oh, yeah. now. Millions of dollars. Right. You can pay millions of dollars to play a kid game. You could start doing a little little uh, break yeah. dancing in the end. F the cool haters. Got the chip on the shoulder. Fuck yeah. Right. And then and then also if you're a single football player, you're thinking, oh my god, I'm going to the club tonight, and the line to suck my dick starts here. You know, <laughs> like right gonna, here. I'm gonna, I don't. Yeah, it makes it makes so much sense why they would dance. You're getting paid so much money to play a kid's game. And you got to be just going insane as soon as you cross that goal line. Hell yeah. yeah. Like, you know, no, I don't blame him. I don't I, blame him at all. I totally fucking agree. I I agree. And uh, and the, the whole thing about uh, having uh, your 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 team, you're, you're involved in it. And, I, and then you think about it and you're like, you know, they could give a rat's ass about me. I, I, honestly, I, here I am. I'm going crazy for, 
my team and all that. I, they just released today. They released Des Bryant. I, I mean, that, I, I'm a Cowboy fan. It really that. just happened 25, 30 minutes ago. Oh, my they God. I didn't Des. see that. I hope the Bears grab him. So I'm a yeah, huge Bears someone's going to grab him, man. And Of course. Well, it's going to cost me some money, but damn. Des Bryant's free. Uh, yeah. Damn. Unrestricted. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can have Why? I, I, it's, that's, $16 million a year. Uh, yeah, it's a little expensive for, I mean, there's some salary cap issues there, but wow. Because he's, he's a top five receiver in the league. Yeah. He yeah. got screwed over on that one play, too. I'm glad, I'm glad they're changing the The big role. catch. Yeah, against uh, you, you, that NFL, shit Green man. Bay. Who the fuck wears plastic ornaments on their head like that? and go? Uh, they wear a plastic cheese. Oh, I've seen it, yeah. I mean, you look at them in the fan. You look at them out there. It's part of their gig, man. You I know, know but, man, either. you look at them on the TV. They look like the cast from Deliverance. <laughs> And the I'm not shitting yeah, with you. Distracting people behind him, too. What the hell? Fuck. They don't mind. They don't mind. There you go. Hey, hey, bird, shit. I don't care. I got the plastic cheese. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. That's, they're serious about football up there. So, Joe, your, your passion for sports, is that what got the uh, Comedians Talking Sports podcast going? Or t- yeah, talk so about I've that. Actually, How did it I've, I've kind yeah, of throw some plugs out. Yeah, man. throw some plugs out there. I morphed that podcast into it's called Comedians Talking Baseball now. And I was doing the comedians talking sports where I would have a comedian on a new comedian on each week and I would kind of interview them about their life with sports, you know, what they played growing up and, you know, their favorite sports memories. And then we would talk about like current event stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and we were reviewing 30 for 30 documentaries for a while too to add a little more spice to the podcast. And then when I moved back to Chicago, having a newborn baby, having to take care of him, it just my schedule just became so crazy. So now that he's a year old, he just turned one. He's got more of a schedule. I know when he's nap time and stuff like that. Because right. so, I'm basically a stay-at-home dad during the day, and then I go on and do comedy at night. My wife's a nurse. She works uh, 12-hour shifts. So so I, it's Comedians Talking Baseball. Every Sunday I release a new episode, and it's, I'm only three episodes into this season now, or two episodes in. And I do it with a comedian in L.A., Mike Bridenstein. Great dude. Really funny comedy. Just have him remote. Have him in remote. Yeah. So I'll say this about the sound quality. It's listenable. It's It's fine. It's not great though, so I have to figure out a way to get it better. Well, do you do you use Skype or what do you use? I think I'm going to switch to Skype. There's a new app called Anchor uh-huh. that I like for some of its features and everything because it's it's free. You could download it on your phone, and I basically just talk on the phone and it records off that. So we have a podcast too, and sometimes when we have over the phone guests or you know not guests that aren't in the studio, we'll either use Skype. But there's also um, a thing that Everett plugs into his computer, which is we'll plug uh, from a mic. So you plug your phone in to to this like fucking port. I don't know exactly what it's called. I can show you after the show. I can I ever show you I how to do that. it. But it literally plugs right into your phone, right into your computer, and then if your computer's booted with your podcast software, it, it picks everything up. I mean, so it works great. Skype's actually pretty good too, but the sound quality on that is way better. See, so yeah, yeah, that's what I'm looking for because right now I'm like, it, it sounds fine. My other podcast, Killgowns Pub, I love podcasts, and I've started two within the last month. Killgowns Pub is I sit down with people from all different walks of life. So far it's mostly been comedians, but I'm going to get a couple friends of mine who are business owners. I, I have a good friend of mine. She was on a few seasons of The Bachelor. So I'm going to try to get some of that because nice, yeah. it's interesting. And I got a buddy who does – he's a movie critic. So I'm going to do that. I, I like drinking with people from different walks of life because I feel like that's when you learn about the world. And so what I do on Kilgallon's Pub is we just sit down, have a few drinks, and it kind of starts off like bar conversation where I start off with some sort of silly topic. And then by the end, we're getting into some deep stuff, kind of like you would at the end of the night at a bar. Right. You know, like by right. 2 a.m. That's like, a cool idea. Man. Yeah, so it's been kind of a fun podcast. And uh, that one, the audio, audio quality is great. Because I, I use like proper equipment. Uh-huh. Where the other one, since he's in LA and I'm here, but he's my favorite d- friend to talk baseball with. 
and he knows so much and we have such a good give and take because when i lived in la we did the podcast together and because when i did community talking sports i would do like special bonus episodes during baseball season where we would just talk baseball right so yeah and a lot of comedians are seeing tons and tons of success with podcasting and the most notable obviously being joe rogan he's got the, the, the bill burr's up there too man. yeah bill burr rogan, yeah burr, i mean but you Marin. got tom segura, tom segura uh he has his own and he does, his is hilarious and then there's brendan schaub which isn't really he, he was an ex-ufc fighter but he's yeah. now breaking into co- comedy and he's actually quite funny have you ever listened to him i like him he's on podcasts bad. no he's oh, very good oh yeah he's pretty good he's really good on podcasts but you got like uh joey diaz his uh his uh what is it called uh uh, the church of what's the happening church now. of what's happening now. That He's is hilarious, great. dude. You, that dude's funny as shit. You man. follow him on Twitter? Fuck yeah! I love his tweets, man. Oh, it's so t- positive. It's Everyone's Monday, so cocksucker. Get out there and make everybody suck your dick. You I know? love the, the <laughs> one. That's exactly says, what his tweets are like, dude. It's, it's, awesome. it's Thursday. You're gonna take the. Uh, you, <laughs> it's Thursday. You walk into that room with a big dick and a smile. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, oh, it's always positive stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Joey Diaz is fucking great. I like that because so many people are negative now and. I used to be kind of negative on stage right. a little bit. Like, not negative in a negative fun What way. do you mean? What do you mean negative? Just complaining. I mean, well, here's the thing about comedy. It's about world anywhere. politics or yeah, what? Yeah, world pol- political stuff, I'd say. I was a little, I was never, su- I never considered myself a political comic, but I'd always have like a little chunk about politics. I would always try to attack things from the middle, though. Right. I, mean, I, don't, I don't like people coming from the left or from the right because it's like you're just trying to preach your own. It's a good way to alienate way. You're, listeners. You're, you're alienating people, but you're also not changing anyone's mind. If you could come. I could do a joke making fun of conservatives, but if I'm coming at it from the middle, I've had people who I know are, are conservative come up to me and be like, hey, I really appreciate it. I thought that was funny. You were going to talk down to us, and you make a good point. All right. And the same thing if I'm making fun of liberals. If you come at it from a middle, if you come at it from like, hey, we're all in this together, common ground thing, then I like those jokes. Because if you're coming up there and being like, Democrats suck, Republicans suck, what are you doing? You're not doing anything mm. but strengthening what you already believe in. And the people in the right. crowd who are like you are just going to be like, yeah. And then you're, you're absolutely right, though. You're not though. doing anything. You're not, you're not changing you're not, anyone's yeah, mind. You're not moving the ball. You are seeing so much of that now. Yeah. On Facebook, on social media right now, they've drawn the lines. They know what – I mean, you can't change. I don't even know why the fuck we comment anymore. We're not going to change their mind or whatever. It's it, We just comment anyway, and then we get shit stirred up, and it's like, dude, I'm so sick and tired. I'll tell you what, though. I ran – right after high school, I ran for uh, Alderman. Oh, cool. And I ran for Alderman because I had a big front yard, and they didn't let me put a bo- – beach volleyball thing i was going to have hooters <laughs> taking on show me's it was going to be a big thing light posts set up and everything and then they said that you can't do that in front of your house well i said i'm going to run for alderman i ran for alderman i'm knocking on doors and everything i knock on this door and he says to me hey what's your view on abortion i go what's your view on abortion and he goes i'm totally against it i go Fuck yeah, I'm against it too. I can't believe that they do that. And, and I, it's almost like you almost have to cater to these fuckers. And next thing you know, I had a sign in his yard. I go, yeah, yeah, it's done deal. He thinks I'm against abortion. I don't give a fuck about abortion. I'm a fucking running for alderman oh, yeah, to have matter. a beach volleyball in my front fucking yard. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> that has got to be... Maybe the, some people think inauthentic, but I think it's the most authentic reason to run for politics because you had one thing where it's like, I just want to get this done, and get that's done. it. It wasn't for power. It wasn't to like you know, no. get your name on shit. And, boys, I took this guy on that's been there over 20 years, and uh, his name was Nick, his first name Nick. My last name, too, Petrolo. I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> he, he's won like 20 years he's been in there. 
and I lost them by 1,500 votes. That's it. That? That's it. That's nice. 1,500's not bad. That's it. I, 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 I gave them what they wanted. I bullshit it, and I, you know... It was for my beach volleyball. I'm surprised he didn't say, why are you running? And then you're like, I want beach volleyball. All right, I'll do that. Get off the ballot. No, no, he did. He did ask me that. He goes, why are you running? And I said, well, I want a beach volleyball here. He just turned around and walked away. Uh, he see? thought it was an easy fucking win. I wish you would have lost. If this was a movie, you would have won. Yeah, no shit. Let's write that script, The Alderman. So <sighs> let me ask you this. <laughs> the Alderman. What, what's your favorite movie, or favorite movie, I'm sorry. What's your favorite moment in your career? Like something that stands out to you where like even now after however many shows you've done, you can still look back and be like, man, that was like, you know, like your favorite moment, whether it been the best. I uh, killed it. The best reception from a crowd or the time your agent called you and said, look, I got a big deal for you. Just a, your all-time favorite, most memorable moment in your career uh, being a comedian? You know, I'm not going to say it's any, like, credits, like you're saying, like, an agent thing, because I, when I booked my, a, a, part, a part on uh, this TV show, I was on an episode of Chicago Med a couple weeks ago, and I remember when I booked that feeling, like, awesome, because it was a dramatic role, even though I only had a couple lines, uh, I remember thinking, oh, cool, because that's outside of my element, and that's kind of maybe a nice thing for the parents because it's like, oh, look, he's acting on an NBC TV show. You know, right. that's that's kind of cool being on a national show. Definitely. But that that was cool. That was fun. But my favorite moments have always been I had a number one album. That was great. My favorite moments have always been those moments in the middle of a set where it's just magic between me and an audience. Nice. Where, you know, like the album going number one was amazing because it was like all these people supported me and, and fans bought it. And to see my album at number one in the iTunes comedy charts. I always have to tell people iTunes comedy. Yeah, that's very cool. Because every now and then some people will be, I've been introduced to comedy clubs where they're like, you had the number one album on iTunes. And I'm like, I, okay, if I had the number one album on iTunes, I'm going to be, be at a, this comedy yeah, club. Okay? You'd be a millionaire. The number one album on all of iTunes is like Beyonce numbers. You know right, what I mean? right. The number one album on the iTunes comedy charts means I sold a few hundred in one day. So it's called and Pay. Right. I went past Jim Gaffigan. You know what I mean? But It's called Pay Attention. Yes, Pay Attention is the name of the album. You guys could listen to it. You can on still on. pick it up on iTunes, It's on right? iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, whatever you listen to music on, Amazon. So my favorite moments, though... There was one time I was doing a club in Chicago uh, called the Comedy Bar, and I don't know what went on that night, but I was trying a new couple jokes, and I remember everything hitting in such a way where I hit the punchline on the joke, and the laughter went back across the room, came back for it. It was a waves. It was almost, it felt like waves. It felt like the <laughs> crowd was doing the wave, but with laughter. And as I was about to start the next joke, they kept going nuts for the previous punchline to the point where women were wow. wooing. And I remember like making, it was, I was so in the moment that everything felt so calm and peaceful that I was able to see, I could still see the individual faces in my mind of like just people mm -hmm. going nuts. And, that, and I couldn't start the, I started to try, I three times tried to start the next joke and couldn't because they wouldn't let me. And that was one of those, that was kind of a surreal moment that has happened nice. a couple times, awesome. maybe once or twice since then, but never quite like that. Whereas I was trying to start the next thing, they wouldn't to the point where I had to say thank you. I had to thank them. I'm like, thank you. That's thank gotta you. be I, I a phenomenal feeling, man. Just so they would stop so I could start the next joke because we're timed up there. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And this was like a showcase style room. I wasn't even going last. I think each it was like five comics from 15 each. When I got off stage, the other comics were like, fuck you. Because fuck they, you, they, they right? couldn't follow me that night. They weren't and they didn't. That's gotta be a phenomenal feeling. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was great. I tell you what though, do you ever just uh, black out to where you forget the line? 
I kind of fuck. Or is totally bomb. I, I, I want to hear something. Yeah. Well, not, I, not, I got not some bomb. bomb I'm not talking about bomb. Well, he's had to have experiences where but, the crowd didn't like you. I bombed three or four weeks ago badly hosting a show. Well, I mean, you just forget what the hell you had and yeah. you go, fuck me. And you know what? I, I just experienced that maybe 10 minutes ago. I was talking and I said, the fuck am I talking about? I just made up some shit about five, ten minutes ago. No bullshit, yeah, guys. It happens. It happens. Well, we didn't notice, so good job. No. Yeah. yeah. That's the way I do it. I, I thought Darren noticed. Darren gave me a head nod. <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? Uh, you um, motherfucker. No, it definitely happens. I. It happens to me because I talk fast. I'm naturally kind of a fast talker. I grew up in a big Irish Catholic family where everybody spoke quickly. Because everyone was talking over you to get your point across very quickly. Cause very quickly. It was funny. We'd go to my grandma's house every Sunday for dinner, and it always sounded like everybody was arguing and fighting, but they weren't. That's just how everyone talked. That's just how they talked. <laughs> so I remember when I started meeting people from like who didn't grow up with me, and they'd be like, why are you yelling at me? I'm like, I'm not. Like Bill Burr, I think, even talks about that, where people are like, yeah, why are you for yelling? Sure. Like, That's not, this is just how I speak. And I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm not yelling. This isn't yelling. You wouldn't believe me. You'll know yelling. I'll put the fear in you. Some you people know? are just naturally, ag- like, not aggressive, but more I just... I mean, aggressive might be the word. That's fair. Uh, yeah, my wife's the same way. My, my wife talks you know, with her hands nice and just gets fucking crazy when she's talking. And I'm like, hey, I well, I have, to, I have to constantly remind her, inside voice. Use yeah. your inside voice. You know, like, I, I need to work on that, though, especially doing the podcast, because I'll listen to a lot of playbacks on my podcast. And I'm like, dude, you're going a mile a minute. Slow it down. Take a breath. So I'll have that where I'm going so quickly where I'm like, oh, shit, I totally... It's almost I, like I, I should have had something there. There was a line. I missed the line. Right. Um, but right. luckily, you, you as a comedian, it's important to go on stage. That's why they always say go on stage as much as possible because then you don't forget the lines and you're more in the moment and it just recreates. You know, it's like reps at the gym. If you want to be awesome, if you want to be a great MMA or boxer or whatever, right. you got to be there every day. So it's so important for comedians to go up constantly. If I, if I take even a couple days off, I feel so rusty. That's, that's what's insane about the job of comedian. I mean, not all comedians are like this, but I know a lot who are where you could just take a couple days off and you feel like, you know, think about other jobs. Well, you take they, a couple yeah. days off as a teacher, it's called a weekend. Well, and you right. come back and you know how to teach again. But, I, take, I take three or four days off. I'm like, how do I do this again? It takes and me a Joe, minute and then I get back into it. You, you probably go through people afterwards, hey, man, give us some funny shit. Yeah, yeah people get, do that every now and then. You, but what, what, what do you got funny? That's got to be condescending just, as a motherfucker. Like, hey, man, tell a joke. You know, say, you're a comedian. You. Tell a joke. There you go. Fuck you. There. Say, That's probably you. That's the funny, best. Right? Fuck you, funny. Is that still funny? And then they kind of go, oh, <laughs> oh, come on. I'm like, no, dude. Like, what do you do for a living? And then they'll tell me what they did. You know, I remember one time this guy was like, I'm a mechanic. I go, all right, go fix my car. Check engine lights on right now. Go fix it this moment. For free. For free. For free. Go free. do it for, for free. For free, yeah. He's like, oh, well, that's totally different. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not different. Some people are assholes, yeah. man. It doesn't, no. it doesn't work the same anyway. I'm <laughs> right. telling you a one-on-one joke. First of all, stand-up comedians, there's a reason we call it material. They're, you know, they are jokes. Don't get me wrong. But I think comedians, I don't know when this happened or the history of it, but it's, they call it material. I'm working on some new material. Mm-hmm. The comedy clubs will say, oh, this is new material night. They don't call it new joke night because it's not so much just jokes. Jokes are something you're in the back of a popsicle stick. Jokes like Mitch Hedberg. Yeah, where Mitch Hedberg did jokes. Like Mi- yeah. the one-liners, yep. I think those are jokes. And that's what I think whenever someone finds out I'm a comedian or anyone's a comedian and they ask to hear a joke off stage, I think they're expecting you to tell them something that they could then repeat to their buddies. But I'm telling you, I tell a lot of stories. I tell a lot of longer. That's beautiful. You know, I don't have a lot of short little 30-second, one-minute bits. My jokes yeah. are a couple-minute little chunks yeah. that I like to, you know, layer and level up a little bit. If I tell you that, you're not, hey, you, you can't repeat it and tell it the way I can tell it anyway. Right. You're going to be butchering. I don't want people fucking up my shit. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Good, good Get enough. mad thinking about it. But, yeah, so that's, that's how I handle those people. 
I, I try to be polite because sometimes they just had a few drinks and, and they're, you know, they, they don't mean anything about it. People just don't know. Right. So I'm not going to penalize people for not knowing. So right. what about the tough crowds, the ones where you're not winning them over at all? Because if you get a line, you can kind of, you kind of bullshit or whatever. You can find your way. But when you're not, when the crowd's not digging you at all, what the hell is that like? What do you do? You I mean, said three, do, four do weeks you, ago you don't. Yeah, so that. three, four weeks ago is the Wednesday after St. Patrick's Do you kind of like it as a challenge to uh, win them yeah, over? Yeah, no, so it's a challenge in the sense I like it where I'm like, because if you flip them, I think we call flipping the room where you take a room that sucks. Because even some of the best them. guys in the world still bomb or don't get the audience. Well, because some of the, happens all. You well, know? some of the best comics in the world they do what I a lot of comics refer to as just going on autopilot, where they'll go up there and if the crowd's not feeling them, they're like, well, whatever. This is what I got. I'm going to do my jokes, joke, 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 and then thank you, good night. I can't do that. If I'm up there and you're not feeling me, I'm going to find out what's wrong with you or what's wrong with me, and we're going to figure this out. <laughs> no, dude, I'm I not, love that. That's, that's my attitude, and I, love I, that. I had that at the show I produced <laughs> in Chicago on Wednesday nights called Communities You Should Know, which is like a, one of the biggest independent shows in the country. And I was hosting, and really this is – I had to apologize to my fellow comedian producers because as a host, I, you really don't want to do this. But I, <laughs> my mentality is I'm either going to go up there and kill it or I'm going to struggle trying to kill it. I'll never give you mediocre because I think mediocre is boring, and I'll never give you average. I could. I could do that. I could have that night in particular when I was really bad. I mean, I got him a little bit at the end, but it was, it was a shit set overall. So it was, it was a, it was, I gave myself an F. I, uh, I remember one point going, all right, they're not feeling it. Just do your, do your material. You'll get your like, little smattering of, <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. That's just tonight. And there's a lot of comedians right. that do that. They'll just do it. They'll they'll sense oh the crowd's not into me, so I'll just go up there and go on autopilot and just here's here's the jokes here they are. And I could do that. I could give you an average set. I don't like average. I want to I want to strive for greatness. I mean they're going to give you that greatness hopefully or damn near, greatness is a big word. Very very good. I'm either going to be awesome <laughs> or I'm going to go down swinging. I am not looking at strikes. You know what I mean? I'm going to get the bat off the shoulder and figure out what's going on. And I like that. And yeah. we talk about taking a bad room and, and making them good. This uh, black security guard, there's a show at the House of Blues I do every Tuesday. And I'm mentioning he's, he's black because it matters for the story. Because certain, when certain people from Walks of Life give you a nickname, it means more. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> black people are, are cooler with nicknames. You got you to gotta admit that. And he said to me, he goes, I'm going to call you CPR for now on. Because I went up at a, at, toward the end of a show. Was it the end? I think I went up at the end of the show at the House of Blues in Chicago. And the show wasn't good. Like every comic was eating their balls and, or their <laughs> vagina. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded weird saying, but I'm, I'm going to roll with it. And I went up and had a great set. And he goes, I'm going to call you CPR for now on. That's your new nickname. I'm like, CPR? He goes, yeah, man, because you saved the show. And I was like, ooh, I like that. That's a cool nickname, CPR. Yeah. I'm going to try to – this is the first time I've ever told anyone about it. Oh, so, right on. Well, he calls me it, so a few other comics heard him say that. But I kind of dug that. I was like, all right, I'll take that. And to me, it's like a challenge. I grew up playing yeah. sports, so I still have that competitive drive, which I don't feel like I'm ever competing against other comedians because I want everyone to do well. You know, I want my other comedians to do a rising tide lifts all boats, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. What's good for comedy is good for anyone who's involved in comedy. But I'm competitive in the sense that I'm competing against the audience. I don't know if you guys play golf. They say in golf, you, you don't compete against yeah. the other golfers. You compete against the course. I feel like I'm competing against the audience in the sense that I'm trying to get you to laugh as hard as you've ever laughed before. It's not like a negative. It's not like you're my enemy. You're my friend. No, you're my buddy. But right. I'm competing against you in the sense that I'm, I'm taking you on in a way where it's like, all right, here you are, you know. That yeah. Nirvana lyric, here you are now entertain us. Here, here I am entertain us. That, that's how I view that. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. No, awesome. no, yeah, like no, I went off on some philosophical bullshit. No, that's awesome, to. man. I, I think what Joe just said reminded me of something. And I'd like to go around the table on this, too, because 
I look at sports. I look at sports and I look at different criterias of sport. Do we call golf sport? Um, I do. I do, and I do as well. Yeah. I don't call figure skating a sport. And I'll tell you why. He's been on this since the Winter Olympics. Oh, fuck. I'm so pissed (laughs) at this. Talk about comments coming at you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Joe, and after I make my fucking thing here, you're going to say, you know what, Ocho? You may have a point. Just because you said that, I'm going to go against you. All right. All right. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. But, uh. You know, they do this triple axel, they do this uh, two double bunny, whatever. I don't know what they do. But anyway, then at the final end, you get a judge from Germany, gives us a 8.5. And I'm like, dude, who the fuck are you to give that score to that guy and that gal out there flipping around? I'm saying, I like, I think curling is a sport because they're trying to knock the stones off and to keep their stones out. And plus, how, who the hell doesn't like all those chicks going, I mean, I enjoy that. I enjoy that. And plus, there's so some annoying. sort of scoring going on. You know, I like I, I, it's There is a... Oh, fuck. All right, go I, as you Before you went into your um, theory on why it's not a sport, I kind of imagine you were going to go that route. Because I remember hating the college football bowl system because those judges decide, and therefore yes. it's like figure skating. You you think this team's ranked higher than that team, and it, you, that's why I'm glad college football has somewhat of a playoff. Now I'd like to see them expanded. But I, you know what? I'll, I'll say this: figure skaters are definitely athletes. Whether or not it's a sport, you're right because golf lowest score wins. There's no judges, and figure skating the judges bother me. But as you were talking, it made me think. Does that mean boxing isn't a sport? Because yeah, it goes MMA. to the decision, there's judging. Yeah. No, that's see, the very end of it, though. That's the very that's the last crisis. Type of crisis. Yeah. yeah, because you can win by submission. You could, you know, right. knock, knock someone out, out TKO. TKO. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the last. Uh, and when he brought up golf, I thought of that. Because it's you and this course. That's it. You don't look at the fucking board or anything like that. The board, is, obviously, they're doing their thing. But it's you against the course. And to me, I got to thinking... You know, in figure skating, stuff like that, there's nothing out there, but all you're doing is dancing on ice and then hoping you get a good grade from a, a German a judge that just probably got dumped by his wife. And, and he might not, not like move. your outfit. He, he might, might not, not like, like your outfit, outfit. Which is crazy if you, you saw that Tanya movie. fluffy out, you know? Yeah, you could be a and, – and let's let's be honest. They probably are really great athletes. I mean, that's, oh, they, they have to, to do a train, triple axel. You have yeah, to be but, I'm not ripping on that. I'm not well, ripping you're on right. that. But any, it's any, the sport it's, it's aspect. I yeah, guess, I don't. I don't think that your your outfit should like. If, if yeah, you're taking stupid. the outfit into account of your final score, then I could see Jono's point of it not being a fucking sport because it should be based on your athleticism, yes. your ability to play, you know, your skill, uh, h- how you work with your team, if you have a team, whatever the case may be. I'd- let me add to this with golf, though. I wanted to be clear in reference to how you know I made the analogy between golf and comedy and how you're competing against the course, competing against the audience. What I mean by competing against the course, because I, I know people who don't think golf's a sport, and one of their points was there's no defense. I go, that's not true. There is defense. The course is the defense. That's defense, what I mean by right. that. A sand trap is a, a tree in a certain... Oh, my God, yeah. Mother Nature Water. is defense, which is, right. is, a, is a, the toughest defense really out there. You know, a strong wind. You know, so there is defense, and that's what I mean by you're competing against the course. And when Because there's no other golfer trying to stop you from doing your thing. And in comedy... No other comedian has prevented me from being successful on stage. So when I say I'm competing against the audience, the audience to me is the defense. I have to break you down the way you'd break down a defense and get you to the place where you need to be. 
So it's not like I'm working against you. I'm not like competing against like, I mean, obviously I want them to have a great time. They're, they're my people. They're my audience. I love an right. audience. And so that's what I mean by competing against. I mean, like I'm competing for your, um, for your soul. No, for like, laugh, you know, to get you laughing. You came out to have a good time. I'm here to entertain you. So that's would, what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, you know, figure out. I think people like him. Go. I think people like Joe should be running the United Nations. And I'll tell you why. Because he just brought up a very good point. He's trying to break down that hostility, that uh-huh. fucking uh, that wall, that uh, that wall that he has to penetrate and make everyone walk out of there with a smile. How about every fucking country brings their fucking comedians and everyone just sits around and cracks each other up and see? You know what? That would be ideal. Might get a lot good. more done. Be a lot more, a lot of drugs really? at that party. Because yeah, they, they hate each other. They hate <laughs> each other so lit. much. They fucking, uh, right now, right now, we're in a fucking standoff here with the fucking bear. The shit's getting deep here, folks. And I'm telling you, there, com- there comes a time when you, you need guys like Joe. Thank you need you. guys I, like Joe. I appreciate that. I mean, that is really what I try to do. I like to try to bring people together. Uh, I was talking about like how it used to be negative. It was never negative. I mean, what I mean by negative, I had a guy come up to me. I'll just quote this guy. He was just a fan. And he came up to me afterwards and said, I really liked your set, especially the stuff about being a dad because it was so positive. And I never thought about it that way. No one had ever called me a positive person before because I'm, you know, I'm a guy with, I have a bad temper. I'll admit that. I, I'll throw a golf club on the course. Never at someone, but like I do know, it too. You know, I'm that I'm that dude. I um I think I'm a sweetheart of a guy, but I got a little bit of a bad temper. I'll, I'll lose my mind a little bit, in, <laughs> in a nice way, in a fun way. I feel like, and what I what he meant was that so many comedians they talk about their kids in a negative way. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk about Louis C.K. I love Louis C.K. Great, but he'd always For talk sure. about his kids yeah. being fucking idiots. Calls and stuff. them assholes and dumbasses. Yeah, it's hilarious. Shit. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's but so many comics were doing that. <laughs> So I knew I'm like, all right, now I've crossed over. I'm a comedian that has kids now. So inevitably, you talk about what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm now on the other side of this. So many comedians talk about being a dad. I want to do it in a way that's different. I didn't. I knew I wanted to do it different. I didn't consciously make the choice. I'm going to be positive about it. I just really like being a dad. I love the kids, awesome, and I have a good time with them. So I, I find the that's where I find my humor now. Where it used to be, all my material would come from an angry place. Not like in a dark, depressing way, but because I find people, I find overreaction hilarious. Like growing up, my, my and my sister would laugh whenever my dad got into road rage. We thought it was hysterical. <laughs> so funny. We great? would like cry. And like, you know, she'd be, she was seven, I was six, and we would just be like laughing in the car as she was yelling out the window, movie, you fat fuck. Like just yeah. scream, you know, like stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, this is yeah. the best. I just find that hysterical when people overreact or, or <laughs> lose their mind getting angry. You know, that's why whenever I was, we're talking about golf and hockey, Happy Gilmore was funny to me when he would lose his mind. Oh, and yeah. Lose right. the temper. That, right. that stuff is hysterical to me, right. watching people overreact. So I just found humor in that. So I have, now uh, it's, it's I'm, I'm in a more – I still have that side of me. I don't want people to think I'm getting soft. But uh, with my son, it's like I, we're happy. So we're playing and laughing. So I, I can still make jokes off of – from a good place so it's, now, it's wide in my range so now you mentioned that you have like you, you do you have the kid now and you do your comedy that's based on home is, so I have a two part question here is there anything that like per se like your wife does not enjoy 
you talking about? Is there anything that's off limits to you in your bits as far yeah, as like is there any censorship like, here? How does that work? Like this, I mean, you know, I, and I would never want you to offend your wife, and I'm not asking you, no, to, no. but but like, would does she get upset if you talk about certain things? Like, because I know I do a couple podcasts, and if I start talking about pussy and all this stuff, my wife's kind of like, hey, motherfucker, you know what I mean? Like, what are you fucking doing? Like, I gotcha. So is there is there certain things that right. that kind of hit the nail that she doesn't like you know, push that button? Yeah, my wife stopped listening to me a long time ago. Well, this is a great question, and it's it's nice that your wives listen to you because I don't have to worry about that. Oh, um, all right. No, because she's you know since we've had our um, she hasn't seen me do stand up since my son's been born. Oh, okay. So I've got a whole had at least forty five minutes, maybe I have like almost another hour because I want to record the second album soon. Um, I don't know when, what date yet, but she hasn't heard any of this stuff. Oh, any really? of the new stuff she's not heard. I think I mentioned one or two. So I'm, I am interested because I've got a few jokes where I have people are like, "Has Nicole heard that one?" <laughs> and I'm like, no, but I don't think I don't think she would care so much. I had Maybe. a joke. I'll give you referenced in the past. Uh-huh. I the jokes on my album actually. The jokes it's it's called Oral Sex. That's the track title. It's the closer on my first album. That joke, I would do it. She wanted me to make it vaguer. What I mean by that is, she, so I would do these jokes about sex. I talk about sex a good amount in my act. Not as much anymore, but I, I used to. And she would be at a show with some friends, and her friends would look at her like, oh, you two do that, like, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and so she actually, my wife said, I would rather you do the vague. Like, say, instead of, don't make him, don't say, like, my wife and I were doing this. I'd rather it be like, you know. One time funny. I fucked this chick. Yeah, so. stuff, yeah kind of like that. She'd and, rather it not be that sense. Because in the oral sex joke, I talk about you know the, the you know how it's more difficult to go down on a woman than it is to go down on a dude, and how you know basically the joke is that going down on a woman should have job in the title because that's harder work. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. You know I mean, every woman is good at giving head, even if you're not, it's still good. The worst it's I ever pizza, had, I loved. Right? You still you like it no matter what. You know, the worst you've ever had is still great. Yeah, the worst I ever had, I loved. So. Yeah, right. You know, because we're men, we're just it's an easy, it's easier. So except for the aroma, some some aromas are a little bit off. But we talked about that. <laughs> Would you stop with your dick? I know, I'm trying to. <laughs> you're, you're saying your no, dick smells. No, going down on some girls. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying going down on a woman is tough. Yeah, oh. yeah, that's what he's. That's I see. What I was just saying that. that going down on a dude. I've never gone down on a no, guy. No, yeah, no, but I was saying no, that's no. easy. How about them bears? I know, no, yeah. I was saying that's easy. And then you said the aroma thing, and I'm like, you got you got stick. Yeah, what are you talking about, man? Uh, you were saying the woman's weird. Like, no, there's a couple girls I've gone down on, and I just wanted to kill myself. The aroma was so bad. I had a I mean, friend who threw up hot. on a girl. Who threw up on a girl because of that? Oh God! <laughs> yeah, he did. And they're hot. What the hell is that? The he puked on her before he took her, her panties down all the way. So he started to, and the smell oh, hit him so bad. I'm sorry, this guy that gross. Bad, wow. Oh, dude, it was one of those stories that sticks with you. Someone tells you that yeah. it, made, it made me gag. Right? Are you all right over here? Look, you look like you're getting sick. I know it's gross. I'm, I've luckily never had that. I don't understand. I'm like, what women, are you hanging out at the docks? Who are these I'm women? I'm done, man? though. Like, like if, if it's there and it's like they're coming down and it's like, nope. You, no, know, you yeah. know what? I got to bow I agree. out. I'm sorry How about you... your feelings, but I have to bow out of this. See, I think I females would disagree. I think they going down on a guy is, can't be the easiest thing. No, right, it's super it's... easy, man. I The joke explains it, but I'll just, I'll, I'll certainly, I don't mean to cut <laughs> yeah. it off there, Jono. The, uh, here, you know why it's easy? Because we get off so much easier. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, and there's different positions. A woman could be sitting down on a chair, right. kneeling, laying down. We, we could bend to her. Like if she said, my neck hurts today, I'll bend, we'll do it. I'll do a fucking naked cartwheel <laughs> with my dick scraping your lips back and forth, whatever helps. <laughs> uh, but with, with going down on a woman, it's essentially that same, ow, my neck hurts thing. 
you know yeah it really, yeah it's so and it's, it's bending and it's really and then when the woman really likes it she's banging her thighs off your head and it's really and also <laughs> that's that's, awesome. I, I, I don't know how dirty you guys get on this podcast which is oh, we're dirty. pretty fucking dirty. it's pretty bad, all right yeah. the clitoris is incredibly small it's very tiny yeah, you and you're trying that. you're trying to lick that with speed and precision Little man, the robot. And if you're doing it right, she's going crazy, which makes it even harder for you to stay on what on, you're doing. Yeah, no shit. Right? Grabbing the back of your head, pushing you forward even closer. The better job you do, the harder around, it smacking makes. Smacking you with her legs. Yeah, exactly. Right? We're go- like, and and also, I, I, how many how many female friends do we all have who say men suck at going down on women? Oh, a yeah, lot. Yeah, of women are always. Yeah, we women, don't want that. Women always complain about how bad we are down there. Yeah. How many men do you know? Or even when a man says, "Dude, she gave me the worst." I've had my guy friends say, "Dude, worst head ever." I'm, I go, "Did you still come?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, I just had a focus." Of course, like, you know, we're still getting. Yeah, I said of focus. course. Even when they're bad, they're batting a thousand. We're yeah, our I, batting average. I said, "Put in her ass." Yeah. <laughs> so, but so like, is there anything that's like explicitly off limits other than like not talking personal life or anything? Oh, like, I mean, stuff I'm that you sure. Don't talk about, I, I, you not well, talk about like homosexuals or, or or political things or race. Oh, or off is, limits to her? Like no, she to you, no, to, to you. me. Yeah, off stuff limits. that you think might be like a, a career ender that you just are not uh, no, not willing to talk no, about. I think as long. Here's the thing, though. The more high octane, I don't know. What I'm trying to say the more dangerous the topic or more controversial. Uh, I think the joke has to be more has to be funnier. The most the most controversial subjects are always the funniest. You know, like race, could religion. Be, yeah. And, so, but and, but and, the deeper you go that way, I think a comedian could talk about anything. Uh-huh. But if you're gonna go that route, you have to be. It has to be that much funnier than your normal joke. Kill it. You know, if you're doing if you're doing some puppy dog joke and it's it's not funny, that's fine. But if you're gonna talk about, I remember this was after Sandy Hook. This one comic I know who I do I do respect, but that night I, I was real stupid on his part. He tried to tell it. He tried to do a joke off of. He wasn't making fun of the Sandy Hook victims or anything like that. But he was trying to do something off of that, and it bombed horribly. And then he later felt bad. And I go, listen, man, don't ever apologize for talking about something on stage. You could talk about whatever you want on stage, but it's got to be funny. And you had no point. You just were. You just. You. It was just bad. You know. Um, so I don't think anything's off topics. For me personally, I wouldn't talk about disease. I wouldn't talk about like cancer or anything like that. Like in, in regular life, they say don't talk about politics or religion. Politics and religion are great for comedy. Yeah, right? hell yeah. I think death and disease are harder for comedy because there's nothing really funny about, you know, you can't really, I don't yeah. know how to make fun of cancer in a way that anyone's going to like. And that affects everybody too. Yeah. I don't say the word, I, I used to have a joke where I said F-A-G and, 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 and retard. Right. Um, I don't say those words anymore. Even though the joke I had, I was making fun of people who said the words, uh-huh. but I was still getting laughs off of the words. So the wrong people were still laughing for the wrong reasons. Right, right. And really that wasn't my point of the joke. So I'm like, you know, I had a gay friend who, a gay comedian friend, and I asked him what he thought of the joke. And he said, dude, I love it. I think it's a great bit. And he goes, but you have to understand, you might have one gay guy in the audience who, when he hears that word automatically goes to a place in which he was getting his ass beat for no reason other yeah. than who he is. And I'm like, all right, you well, know way what? Way to ruin that moment. I know, yeah, it did. And I, I stopped doing it. killed my joke. Totally. Well, I stopped doing it, and then a few of my friends were like, what the fuck, man? You stopped doing it just because of that shit? And I go, listen, man, it's because I no longer found humor in it. If I can't find humor in it, I'm not going to talk about it. If yeah. I still found that funny, then yeah, I'll talk about it. Jerry Seinfeld was on that HBO thing, Talking Funny with Louis C.K. and Chris Rock and yeah. Richard Bay like four years ago. And they asked him about the N-word and Jerry Seinfeld, because Louis C.K. has an N-word bit and Chris Rock has a lot. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I just don't find humor in that word. Jerry was saying, I just don't, if I don't find any, if I don't find it funny, I'm not going to talk about it. it. That's just how I go. And I, I, I related to that because I'm like, I no longer found that funny. 
So yeah, like, but you you got it. You got a bit that CK bit with the oh that's with hysterical. the deer with the deer. And uh, he calls him uh, the damn thing walks off. He calls him a f. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Says, yeah. No, that joke is hysterical. It I love that. Unreal. I because find that, Seinfeld doesn't. That's though. how we. Yeah. That's how we relate. I, you know, and that's what Eddie Murphy told a Bill Cosby one day. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Go fuck yourself. It, what he got? What's the Richard Pryor? Richard Pryor said, "Are you getting right. paid?" Well, tell that tell that N word to go fuck himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, tell the Bill Cosby shut the fuck up. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I'm not again. If I come up with another joke where that word is necessary for the bit, I'll, I'll use it. Um, I think I don't know. I just yeah. feel like I know enough now where it's just like, eh, I don't need it. It's not. It's and I don't. I don't believe in censorship at all. I like I said before, every topic is fair for comedy. It just has to be funny. That's the only rule. Just gotta be yeah. funny. And and I'm as not. As long as you're funny, it's, it's okay. You know. And I'm not racist when I say this, but when you pull up. A black comedian, he can throw the N word like it's a AK forty seven, a left and right. The white comedian up there, he's got a little bit more work because he can't say anything like that. Everyone, they're watching him really, really well on that because you know you just can't say it. It's not politically correct. But if a black guy goes up, he's throwing it left and right, and people are just laughing it up, enjoying the hell out. Of it. It's a little bit more work. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean they. There's some things that are definitely off limits to white comics. Uh, and I look at it from an audience point of view. I think if the audience saw, like someone like me, because I'm so white, I'm like the whitest guy in the world. You know, if I lifted my shirt up, it'd be blinding. You guys turn the lights off, I think, for a reason. Uh, when you saw me enter, so I, I, if I were to say that word, I think immediately people would be like, "Ooh, hey, I don't think you could say that." So I think, you know, I mean, black people have taken the N word and used it as their thing, where it's like it used to be a word. And that gay people are saying and the F. Uh, I always F thought gay people should do that. Like, yeah. why don't call each other that word? Yeah. Because I think black people did a really smart thing, and people do this in regular life. I've got friends. You know how you have like that friend where it's like, hey, we all, we all can make fun of him, but if right. someone outside the group makes fun of him, right. we're gonna kick the shit out of that guy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's human. Be so human beings are so. I think people are all the same in so many different ways. And I do talk about race a little bit, and I'll talk about all of these subjects because I think I want to do it in a way that brings people together. I want to show, right. I want to show, shine a light on the fact that we're all kind of full of shit. I have a joke that stems from the <laughs> Me Too movement. I mentioned the Me Too movement up top, and I talk about like that Aziz Ansari story. I don't know if you heard that story. It was a couple uh -huh. months ago where he went oh, yeah. on that date, and, and the woman was like, oh, he was very aggressive and, <laughs> and all this stuff. So I've been doing a bit off of that recently, and it always starts off with, Whenever I start the joke, I could see people in the audience going, "No, don't don't tell this joke." Which is that's the bigger problem in comedy right now. That's the bigger problem in comedy. There's two sides to the PC thing. Some comedians will say, "Oh, every comic that complains about PC, they're just mad that they can't say the word, you know, fag on stage anymore or whatever." Um, you know, if we were talking in real life, I'd say the word. I don't know why I'm spelling it out. Um, I'm respecting your listeners for that reason. But uh, no, you can say it. I yeah, not whatever. a big deal. Well, if, well yeah, if, I'm just I mean, quoting. I'm quoting somewhere. It, yeah, it's totally. part of the story. Like. The, the, these people will say they're just these old comics are just mad they can't say fag anymore or whatever like that. I go, that's not really the case. And and if that's where you're going with PC and you think that that's fine, I actually think there's there's you have somewhat of an argument there. I think the real PC argument with comedy is the fact that audiences when they hear certain topics will turn off. I've seen good comics bring up like a topic and the audience will immediately ooh you can't talk about that whether they're bringing up race or or sex or whatever. That's the bigger problem. Because that's not being open-minded. They're, they're, they're closing their minds. And these are the same people who think they're open-minded. You're not being open-minded if I, I'll bring up, oh, you, I, I remember seeing on stage, my communion friend said, dude, as soon as you brought the Aziz Ansari story, that woman sitting right there, just, she audibly said, no, 
out loud. Like, <laughs> no, no. He's not going to start talking about Me Too right now. No. And it's like, you don't know what the fuck I'm going to say yet. I could say everything you want to hear. Well, I could, and they don't know because yeah. they're not even giving me the chance. Right. So the audience immediately will start to, they shut up. They're, they get their little bite, buttholes tightened up, you know? <laughs> right. And you know who the, that audience always is? Fucking, it's always the same people. It's always the same people who like those, who think they're like on the good side, but really I'm like, you're not, that's not, they think they're liberal. You're not being a liberal. Liberals aren't, that's not the definition. You're supposed to be open-minded. I want to hear all ideas. I'm welcoming all ideas. That's, they're not welcoming new ideas. And that bothers me because you're, you're representing something you're not. You're trying right. to say, I'm the, and that's, that's yeah. the biggest problem too. Everyone wants to label each other, but they don't even understand what the fuck the labels are. Right. That's what cracks me <laughs> right. up. I'm like, you don't even know. There are people who are like, I'm a nerd. I'm like, no, you're not a nerd. You're passionate about one thing. Nerds were good in school. You were an idiot. Yeah. Like that doesn't yeah, make you a right. nerd. No shit. I like Star Wars. I'm a nerd. I'm like, or you're a nerd in anything. I'm a baseball nerd. Whatever you're obsessed with, you could be a nerd for that. But it's just, yeah. This yeah. guy's a hipster. This person's a this. Everyone's so quick yeah. to label each other, but no one knows what. The, I think labeling each other <laughs> makes it just easier to distance ourselves too. Agreed. Yeah. You know, maybe I should go to the UN. God damn it, John. Oh, now <laughs> I got a mission. You know what? I, I, I just think that it's right now comedy. there's I'm so start much run tension. For UN ambassador. After what you just said, though, I, I think I think comedians are that are that little break that we need Definitely. to just fucking relax. Just relax. Put your warships aside. Everyone just calm the fuck down. That's what podcasts are for, too, man. That's why I like podcasts. I've always been a fan of radio and podcasts. And that was a dream I had before Comedy Action when I was in high school. I think I had to we do something where you had to write down like your top five jobs or whatever. And comedian might have been number five, actually. So maybe I did think about it, but I never actually thought I'd go that route. I love the intimacy of radio slash podcasting. You know, it's right there in Definitely. your ears. And it's, it's a conversation. And, and because you're, it's just hearing, it's one sense. You know, where television is sight and sensing, you know what I mean? So it's, it can be an overload sometimes, yeah. television. Where podcasting and radio, it's just right there in your ear. You feel like you're in the room with people. There's, uh, there's a rhythm and to conversation. And it's natural. You know, that's why I really do like that. And because it's natural, I feel like you, you learn the most. You feel more connected. You almost laugh harder. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get to the point where you want to hear people's, you want to hear the opinions of those people. You know, like we were talking about Joe Rogan. You mentioned Joe mm -hmm. Rogan. Whenever something big happens in the world, my I, I start to think, oh, I wonder what Joe Rogan's take is on right. That. Yeah, you know, and that's I think that's like the goal of a lot of what, comedians what, what and entertainers you, in general. Joe, what do you what do you think about my guy, uh, David Tell? I love David Tell. David he's Tell's my he's funny. my favorite fucking comedian. I, I I love how he just talks about the. Midgets and sex yeah. and all this. I, I mean, fuck. Yeah. No, I like him because he's true to himself. He's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fucking drinker, smoker. I like to stay out all night. I like to do crude jokes, and this is me. Nice guy. Uh, bummed a smoke off him in L.A. once. We did. A, I did a couple shows. Of, I did a couple or one or two. I, I had to follow him at the Laugh Factory, and I held my own all right. Um, but he's a great comic and a really nice guy. Well, if you see him again, and we'd love to have him on the show, too. I'll let him know if he's ever popping through. <laughs> if he's in St. Louis, maybe. You guys might have to drive out and pick him up, though. Now, you are at Funny Bone uh, till Sunday? or till Sunday. The last show is Sunday, and then I'm going to drive back that night to Chicago. How, how can they get out there? I mean, how can they see you? Uh, is there tickets that the, you can Yeah, buy there's, there's still tickets available. I know the Friday and Saturday tickets sell out pretty good, so you might want to jump on that sooner than later. Saturday, I may do this. Do Saturday. So Come what's, on Saturday if you guys want. What's um, the process of auditioning, or do you audition? I mean, the Funny Bone's a real deal. I mean, how do you, do you do you have to do it in person? Do you send them a tape? Oh, no, you, you don't really. Is it well, easier now? Not guess, him. No, no you I don't have no. to audition. I mean, if you're trying to get into like, do guest spots or I'm seeing stuff, I'm sure they have open mic nights that you go hang out probably at got invited well, I'm talking about the first time yeah, you, the got, yeah, first yeah. time he was booked, he might have had to audition. No? You had this is my first time doing the Funny Bone. Oh, you know, okay, gotcha. I thought you did it before. Okay. No, so what happened was one of the guys who books the club saw me at the Laugh Factor in Chicago. 
and liked me and was like, I got to get you out to headline the funny bone. And so we just started talking and then we set up a date. So it worked out great. And, um, but he, he knew I had a resume. He knew I'd headlined other clubs before. Now other clubs I'd headlined. Okay. Before, so once you headline one you club, work your way up. I mean, it's, it's not always once you headline one though, cause there's different, there's a chain. There's a few chains. Because if I'm the owner of a fucking giant comedy club, I want to see that guy. I want to make sure he can pull this shit off. Unless he's done other headlining gigs. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, yeah, well, it's you're like there all of, week. It's, it's like That's, a lot of jobs. You got your resume. You got clips to send them. So sometimes I'll cold email certain clubs saying, hey, um, you know, I've been doing, I'm based out of here. Here's the stuff I've done. I had an album. I had uh, this. I had that. Blah, 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 blah. And I've worked with these comics. And so you, sometimes you want to try to get recommendations from comics who've already worked it. Networking is huge. So you probably, at this point, you feel that it's getting easier for you. You've built up a nice resume. You've done a lot of cool, kick-ass stuff. It's getting easier to book. Uh, well, it's getting easier to book some stuff because the more you do it, the more... You, you know, want me the, as your agent, don't you? The more resume... Yeah, I do, for sure. The more... Cause you're going to have me in the UN, though. You won't even have me on cruise ships or anything. Not that I want to do those. Uh, <laughs> you, it's, well, it's just like any other job. You build up the resume, so... Now I could add the St. Louis Funny Bone to the list of clubs of headlines. So then say I want to headline, I've never, ha- I've, I've featured at the, Des Mo- the Des Moines Funny Bone, but so now if I hit them up, I go, hey, I recently headlined the St. Louis Funny Bone. I headlined um, the Comedy Cafe in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I headlined Penguins in City Rapids. I headlined, um, you know, the Laugh Factory in Chicago. So I'll name those. So now my resume is starting to look more impressive. It's like, oh, I was not recently on an episode of uh, Chicago Men on NBC, so it's a national credit. So it's like, ooh, okay, you know, it's something they can put on the poster as right. seen on. You know, they love that little as seen on thing. Um, I have a podcast. Uh, I have this. And, cool. You know, yeah. and so it kind of it shows. All right, you're professional. Here's my headshot. They see what it look like. Here's some clips of my YouTube page. Here's my Twitter. So you're kind of half of being a comedian these days is you're your own secretary. Mm-hmm. I don't have a manager. I have an agent that's just for acting though. So anything I get off of stand up is through my own grinding it out. Uh, you know, being my own secretary, it's all clerical work, really, you know, selling myself or it's from um, <laughs> word of mouth. So every now and then I'll get an email from someone saying, I heard about you from this person. And, you know, we'd love to book you at our club for this weekend. Are you available? Let's send us, let's work on dates and money. Or, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, or you'll have a comedian who likes you a lot. Who's like a bigger name. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll I'm still in, under the category of up and coming, which is a nice place to be because you, you're, you still have some freedom there. Um, you know, I'm still young-ish for stand-up. Well, so when, when's the show start here, Joe? When, when, when are we talk tonight, seven thirty and ten, and then tomorrow, I believe it's six thirty. Wait a minute, you got no, no. It's got seven thirty, ten o'clock, and midnight tonight. No, that <laughs> no, tomorrow. that's tomorrow night. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. Oh, yeah, because they wouldn't be listening. When does Wait this a minute. Come out? Yeah. No, do right do you do the same same thing over and over again too? I mean, this got to be tough on you, man. You got to come up with. I mean, let's say a guy says, "Ah, oh, you know what? I really like that show. I'm going to stay over." And and then yeah, you got to make this clown happy. You, you would no, no. You would tell him, "Get the hell out of here! What are you doing? <laughs> what Why are you would you doing? see the same show twice?" Right. Uh, it's I I I'll naturally switch it up a little bit because, like I told you before, I'm a fast talker with a bad memory. So <laughs> I'll sometimes I attempt where my goal this week was to do the same like hour long set each night because I want to try to run it so that I could see where the, the new hour is so that way I could get it down for another album. I want yeah, to tonight you're on at album. 8 p.m. and 10.30. How long is these shows? Um, usually I'll do in between 45 minutes and an hour. I'll probably right. do closer to an hour both sets. So the shows run like a movie. I tell people, if you've never been to a comedy show, think of it like a movie, about 90 uh-huh. minutes. 
That's how each show will run like 90 minutes. All right. So yeah, 8, 8 p.m. tonight. and uh, Come by, grab some beers. And yeah. And the phone fun. number, I got the phone number here too, folks, at Westport Plaza. It, uh, funny bone here is 314-469-6692. And that's uh, stlouisfunnybone.com slash Westport. So – you know what? I'm sure they could help you out with the ticket and all that stuff as well. And Thank Joe's you. your website. You're on Instagram, YouTube. Joe K I L G A L L O N. What a Joe kick-ass last name! I know. Let's kill a fucking gallon. <laughs> I always said, like, it's funny. I have the podcast that's called Kill Gallons Pub. Back in the day, I always wanted to have my own bar called Kill Gallons Pub. Oh, that and would be I wanted sweet, instead of man. Serving, cool. Right? It'd be cool, right? So maybe I'm like kind of manifesting this into a reality one day. I um. Instead of serving pitchers of beer, I'd serve gallons. You know, Holy pitch, shit! Like, that'd be it'd be try the kill gallon 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 of beer and have like a cool like oh my god that gallon would be thing. great that's cool marketing right there right? that's it charge them ten bucks for a gallon yep I mean and then 15. maybe if you if you finish the gallon we could put your name on the wall or something well no they just walk around with a fucking milk you could do a souvenir gallon, gallon. maybe yeah. I could get a specialty yeah. thing like with your face on it shape of a shamrock or something or my face I like the face too a little cluff in the chin like Mad Magazine. Oh Remember yeah, Mad Magazine. That that, that oh, yeah. goofy looking fucker sitting right on that. Uh, yeah. from that Are you saying I look like that? Uh, no, not at all. I didn't nah, say nah, you. I didn't People used to say I look like Howdy Doody when I was a kid. What the? Yeah, what is his name? No one knows what the Mad Max's guy's name is or Mad Magazine. I mean. Well, you know what? I'm I'm definitely gonna try to go out there. Yeah, uh, my website's got. Yeah, come on out, man. For real, we'll have a good time. Um, my website has the podcast on there. Alfred E. Newman on the tabs and everything like that. You listen on the homepage. Got some videos from some fun like sketch video stuff I, I used to do I used to do this like fatherly advice thing before my son was born I had like a series of videos of me giving advice to him before he was born about like how to be and people seem to enjoy before that, he was so. born yeah I, had, I did a bunch of videos where I called him uh, fatherly cute. advice where I, I was like here's what you do if you ever have this it's there's a movie called my life with Michael Keaton and uh-huh. in the movie his character uh, finds out he's dying of cancer so he made these videos like showing his kid how to shave and stuff so that's oh, sad wow. right I wasn't that was the, my joke I talked about in the beginning I'm like I was watching this movie so I decided to start doing that um, I'm not dying or anything I'm perfectly fine I just think let's, let's get this <laughs> shit down on video um, so I was watching that movie and I'm like oh, I should do that just to like make fun of the whole situation those are on my website that was one of my yeah. favorite ones the, the Jordan wife thing so you guys definitely check out his videos oh, on his thanks. website yeah, they're all up there <laughs> yeah. and then listen to the podcast I think people will really dig it yeah. Thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Well, you're, no you're welcome. It's you're cool, welcome man. back anytime, man. And uh, folks, uh, that's Joe Kilgallon. And I tell you what, we are going to let, let's get let's get something going here. Let's uh, put it on our Facebook. Let's get these guys uh, out there. Yeah, I come mean, on out, hell. let's do it. We, we can't have any empty seats on this guy. No, for uh, sure. The front of the show. I hope I didn't get too full. Did we give up when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? No, (laughs) we did not. Jesus Christ's sake. (laughs) Thanks for being on, Joe. Thank you. You guys are awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, folks, from the Ocho Man and the crew, we are out of here. Because when the going gets tough. The tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go. Come on. Ocho Man Behind the Eight Ball. Find the show online at OchoMan.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and all major podcast outlets. 
Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter and get all of our podcasts now at lineupmedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of lightupmedia.fm.